two of them. A few over there need worship guides. All right. Hey, we're, we started a series last week called I Love My Church, all right? And um, if you missed last week, it shows that you shouldn't miss church because we, some of us got shirts and some of us ordered shirts and everybody got free I Love My Church bracelets. And so I hope you've been wearing those because I told you they're conversation starters, all right? When folks see your shirt, when folks see your bracelet, they want to know more. And so it gives you a chance to talk a little bit about how you love your church and why you love your church, especially as it relates to, to God's family. So today, if you grab that outline, um, we're going to talk about loving through connecting. And kind of sometimes it helps to get a metaphor. And so I brought a metaphor today that I just want to kind of get you to, to, to envision with me. It's the metaphor of a fence, all right? Now, what's interesting about fences, and we'll put some of them up on the screen, fences come in all shapes and sizes. Fences, some of them are tall and some of them are short. Some of them are, are almost transparent. You can kind of walk through them. And others of them are like brick walls, right? I mean, they're like a fortress Fences are all different ways, shapes, sizes, colors, but here's the deal. All fences are pretty much meant to do one thing or the other. They're either meant to hold something in or keep something out, right? That's what a fence is for. And when, I was a, when I was a little boy, I grew up on a, on a street called Eastside Court in Augusta, Georgia, and my home, we didn't have any fences, but yes, we did. Because all the people around us had fences, okay? Now, we didn't own a fence. We didn't have a fence. But on, on, my, on my left side was Miss Brinson. And I remember her fence. It was, one of those, it was one of those big ones that you can't even see through, all right? And here's why I remember her fence so much. She had a pool in her backyard. I didn't have a pool. And sometimes they would have pool parties. And they sound like they were having so much fun over there. And I remember as a little boy just sitting. That sounds... Sounds like I was a lonely child, didn't it? Sitting on the other side of the fence, <laughs> listening to them have their fun in the pool, you know? And wanting to say, you know, every kid wants to have a pool, right? Wanting to say, hey, invite me, you know? And I remember every once in a while, kind of on top of the, top of the fence, kind of look over the fence saying, who's there? Is it their family? Is it their friends? What was going on? Now, the other side, the right-hand side, was my best friend's aunt. And she had one of these open fences. I don't even know why it was there. I guess it was there to, to say, this is my boundary. You know, don't cross into my yard because it was more like a, it was more like a, I guess a barbed wire fence. You could almost just kind of cross on through it, but it was there and it showed where our yard ended and where theirs began. In the very back of my house, you know, in the very back where we used to play baseball. And if you hit it over that fence, that way you'd get a home run. There was some folks that I never even met. They actually lived on a different road on a cul-de-sac on the other side. But I did meet their dogs one time because somebody knocked a, a baseball in their backyard and somebody had to go get it and I got elected to go get the baseball. And I remember jumping over the fence not knowing they had two big collies. And I ran out and I grabbed the ball and all of a sudden those dogs came around the house and I started running and they started running and they were going to eat me up. They were barking, barking, and somebody ran out of the back of the house and said, just stop, they won't hurt you. So I stopped, and they ran me over, bit me in the head. I mean, it, it, it was bad. But anyway, I wish I'd never stopped. Now, I had, I had three fences around my house on little east side court, all three different neighbors, that they all built their fences. And what I want, I want you to think about your house, or maybe your fences, because every one of us have lived around somebody with fences if we didn't have fences ourselves. Everybody has fences for different reasons. 
Now, sometimes it's to kind of just say, hey, you can see my front yard, but I don't want you to see my backyard, okay? And we want some privacy back there. Sometimes it's for privacy. Other times it's just to say, here's where my place ends. This is where yours begins. It's for boundaries, okay? Fences are all over the place. Now, what in the world do fences have to do with loving your church? And that's what I want to talk to you about. There are barriers that we, what we have called fences. And today, notice that's, that sermon title. I want to talk to you about what it really looks like to love the church, to love each other through connecting with one another. Let me say that a little bit differently. Here's the concept. God wants our lives to connect with each other. God wants us, watch this, to have lives that connect first with Him. He doesn't want a fence between us and Him. He wants our lives to connect with others as well. After all, we are the family of God. So let's start off with kind of a scripture. We're just going to we're just kind of stay in one scripture today, but we're going to unpack it. And I might read a few extras, okay? But we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 10 as we look at loving through connecting, as we think about fences and how sometimes we build these barriers that can keep us from connecting, okay? So read with me here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, before we unpack that, let me just go back to that fence for a minute. So fences. Now, if we were really honest, if everybody in the place this morning was really honest, we would probably all have a moment where we said, you know what? I put up some fences. I put up some places to keep people out. And some of us would say, you know what? I kind of like a good fence, you know? I kind of like that privacy. I kind of like being able to hold people out to a certain point. But here's what I want to share with you. I think God is not a big fan of fences. Think about that for a minute. I think God is not a big fan of fences. <laughs> now, now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying go home and tear down your fence, okay? That's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is that God wants, out of this scripture today, he wants to explain to you how he had a great sovereign plan to remove the fence between you and him and how he wants you, and it's up to you, to do it, to remove the fence that sometimes you put up to keep others out or to keep a barrier or to keep space or to keep privacy from other people. I think God is not a big fan of fences. By the way, thank the Lord Jesus came to, to earth for us, right? Kind of crossed over that fence and that space. I'm so thankful. 
Jesus came to earth to kind of tear down the fences. Now, here's what, here's what we're going to talk about. Three points that I want to share with you out of the scripture today. But first of all, notice that big box in the middle of the page. How do I love the church? Remember what I said when we started this series last week. We're going to talk about why we love the church, but more importantly, we're going to say, God, what is your dream for how I'm supposed to love the church? Because some people have been hurt by the church, and sometimes the church is not done right. We've all probably seen the church maybe hurt people or do bad things or sometimes just, just be powerless or, or effective, effectless, you know? So what, what we want to talk about is, God, how do you want me to love the church? And one of the ways is to love through connecting. So how do I love the church the way God wants me to through connecting? You got your pen? First of all, let's, read, let's look at the first part of the scripture and understand this. Know this, that Jesus crashed the fence between you and God. Jesus crashed the fence. So us and God, there was a barrier. Let's go back and read the first part of that scripture we read a minute ago. Therefore, brothers and sisters, all right? Therefore, brothers and sisters. By the way, I didn't even, I didn't even, I've been reading this scripture for three weeks, preparing to preach it for you today, and I just kind of ran past that first little phrase. And all of a sudden, preaching it today, I said, wow. Paul doesn't say, hey, therefore, people, therefore, Jewish friends. He says, hey, therefore, brothers and sisters. We're family, right? Brothers and sisters. Since we, you got your pen, circle that word, we, we'll come back to it. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. What in the world is he talking about? Let's pause there for a minute. So what, what Paul is referencing is in the temple, there was a place in the temple where the Holy of Holies was. That was where really the presence of God was experienced in its more, most full, in, it, in its most glorious, Okay. The Holy of Holies was there. And you remember the story, right? You remember reading the scriptures. People like you and me, you can't go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. And did you know they tied a rope around the high priest's leg as he went into the Holy of Holies and he had bells on the edge of his garment so if the glory of God killed him, they could drag his body out and they wouldn't even go in there? I mean, going into the presence of God was a, a fearful, holy, glorious God would reveal himself in the Holy of Holies. Now, the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, some amazing things happened. I mean, go back and read that gospel story. Some amazing, miraculous things happened at the very moment Jesus died. I mean, stuff like the graves opening, uh, earthquakes began to shake, you know. The Bible says dead people came back to life. Wow! Go read that one. That's crazy. Now, how about this one? The Bible said at the moment Jesus died, the veil, the curtain that hid the Holy of Holies spot from the outer part of the temple, the veil was torn in two. The, the passageway, the, the blockade, the fence, the fence between the inner part of the temple and the most holy place was there no more. And so watch what Paul says. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter, wait a minute, we could never enter into that. But now by Jesus, he says, you know what? You don't have a fence anymore. He says, watch this. You can enter the most holy place, that's the presence of God, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. It's no longer a physical curtain anymore. He says, it's the body. 
the body of Jesus, and now we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us, get your pen, most important thing you can underline in this whole scripture, let us draw near with a sincere heart. So, the, so here's the deal. I said before, God's not a fan of fences. What Jesus basically did was he took the fence and he said, this thing is, there's, there's this thing called sin. It's the barrier between humanity and my father. And by the way, you had that barrier, you had that fence when you were born. The Bible says, David wrote these words, he said, I was a sinner, even I was conceived in sin. In my birth, I was a sinner. You had a sin nature when you were born. There's already a fence between you and God. But here's the cool thing. When Jesus came through his body and through his death on the cross, he basically began to tear down the fence. He began to tear down these things. And he said, no more am I going to let this thing hold you back. And he, Jesus destroyed the fence between us and God. Now, you may have already known that. But can you imagine these first century Christ followers who were babes in their faith getting a letter? Getting a letter from Paul explaining to them that there is no more curtain. There is no more space that they can't go into. Now we can have confidence that Jesus has torn it down by his body. And we have a high priest now that can usher us into God's presence. You get that picture, guys? So uh, here's the question that I have for you. If that's been provided for you, that part you underlined it, have you done it? I mean, it says, now let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. That means an authentic, come, you know, I am what I am. I, I put all of me, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, I put all of me in your presence, God, in your hands. Have you drawn near to God? <laughs> I'll never forget 1991 when, when um, the walls of communism fell and, and I went with a team over to, to Russia. And one night we were doing, we were just arrived, one night we were doing a concert ministry in Moscow and there were about 700 people in the crowd. At the very end of the, uh, of the, end, the end of the concert, we'd done all this music. We'd, we'd preached about Jesus. We'd talked about Jesus. We'd explained about Jesus. We gave an altar call. And when we gave the altar call and we said, listen, here's what we were sharing, this basic message. You don't have a barrier anymore. Jesus came to tear down the wall of sin between you and God. You can come to him and now through Jesus, you can have life. And in a world like their, their communist world, they hadn't heard that message. And at the end of the gospel message, when we said, come forward if you want to receive Christ, everybody, when I say everybody, I mean everybody, got up and started coming to the front of, of the auditorium. We weren't, there was no church. We were in an auditorium, a huge 700-seat auditorium. And, and the guy who was leading the altar in invite, he stopped it. He just stopped it. And he said, Never, go back. Go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. And everybody went back to their seats. He said, maybe you didn't understand because, you know, we were using English and Russian translating and all that. He said, maybe you didn't understand. And he gave the whole spill over again. He started from the very beginning and he gave it all. But here's the deal. In their culture, they had never heard the good news. They had never heard the good news that Jesus came and he tore down the, the curtain. And when, when he gave the altar, he said, now, if you understand that and you want to receive Jesus... Now come forward. And everybody stood up. Everybody stood up and everybody started coming forward. And I will never forget, I was, I, was, I, was, uh, I was 21 years old. Just graduated college, 21 years old. 
And I'll never forget standing on the top of that platform, one of the musicians just weeping, weeping before God because I had grown up. Here's an idea. Just don't do anything right now. Just sit up there. Just don't touch any buttons. Okay. All right. I'll never forget sitting up there in that moment, realizing the power of the gospel. And here's what I want you to know. Listen, you, 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 many of you have been born in a, in, a, in a kind of culture of Christianity. You might have heard that, that, that gospel so many times in maybe so many different ways that maybe you hydroplaned over it. And maybe you didn't realize how powerful it was to save your own soul. What I want to tell you is that Jesus has torn down the fence between you and God by his body on the cross. And there's no sense for you to ever have a sin barrier anymore. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin this week. You're not going to fall short. But listen, Jesus is every day he is saving my soul. And every day he can be saving your soul too. So here's the question one more time. Have you drawn near? Have you drawn near? And if you haven't drawn near, then then don't stand behind some imaginary gate anymore or fence anymore because he's torn the thing down. You, read the scripture, you can enter the presence of God. We can do it. We can have confidence to enter even the most holy of places, not by us, but because we stand with a high priest that is Jesus and his blood covers our sin. This is good news. This is the best of all news. And before I even talked about the fences that we sometimes build with each other, we've got to start the fence sometimes that we think is there between us and God, and we don't realize Jesus has torn it down. Jesus has knocked it down. You got your pen? Here's the second thing I want to talk to you about, though. Sometimes we, we don't let people in our own yard, so we start building our fence back. Now, Stephen, you said that Jesus tore down the fence, right? Yeah, but here's the deal. We, um, we need to allow other people into our yard but sometimes we want our privacy, we want our space. So what we actually do is we, uh, we find a way to build ourselves a fence, okay? I'm just going to do that real quickly. Just going to do that. I'm going re- to rebuild my fence here because I need a fence where nobody... They could get in that spot, right? I'm not going to let them in. I'm going I'm to stop them from getting in. And so, sometimes what we start to do is we start to make our own fence again, right? We're going to make our own fence we're going to keep people from getting in. So, not a great fence, but it'll do. All right? And so what I want you to understand is we do this naturally. It's kind of a human thing. We can do it so easily. Woo, you're falling off. And uh, woo, it's falling apart. Now, what we do is though God has torn down the fence between us and him, stay on there, please. Ah, it's going to fall apart on me. What we do is we get around the family of God together, and we kind of have a fence with each other, okay? All right? Now, the idea here is that we come to church. Sorry. We come to church. Boy, I'm not a good fence builder. And we kind of live like this, you know? One of my friends, uh, he, he told me, he goes to a very large church in Orlando, Florida, and he said, he, taught, he doesn't call it a fence. He just says, I like my anonymity. He said, I go to such a very large church, nobody knows my name. He likes that. He likes nobody knowing his name. They don't know when he shows up and when he's not. And he said, even when I'm sick, I can go to church because nobody talks to me. 
And he kind of just lives with this fence. Now, here's, this, is, this is very easy to do. You can come and be around the family of God, and you kind of come through the front door, and you can just kind of, Rose, hey, Rose, how you doing? Good, come here, girl. You look nice. You can even step outside your fence for a minute. Whoa, Rose, I love you. You're great. I like Rose better than I like all the rest of them. I just seem to trust her more. I trust Rose more. Rose, you smell good too, by the way. Mm, she really does. She really does. Now, Rose, I'm going to step back over here because I, I can't get too close, okay? And, and I've got to keep up certain boundaries. And let's be honest. I love Rose, but I don't necessarily want Rose to know about deeper stuff that I might have in my life. Maybe darker stuff that I might have in my life. I just want to keep just enough. And you know what? If I can do that with certain people, I can start to kind of do that with a lot of people. All right? You know why I say God doesn't like fences? We call God a heavenly father. We call God a good heavenly father. Those of you who are moms or dads, just kind of living out this metaphor for a minute. I want you to think for a minute about what it would be like to have lunch or dinner, and I bet every one of us have been there before, and your kids weren't talking to each other, all right? Or they were mad at each other. Every parent's experienced that, right? Right? Uh, that just happened at my table. All of us have experienced that, right? Okay. Can you imagine how it must hurt the heart of God when he longs for his children to be brothers and sisters, to love on each other, to really just give themselves completely to each other, to be in relationship? No... No kind of guarded barriers, but just to be real. You know, one of the things here we said at our church is one of our top values for our leadership is authenticity, just to be real. That doesn't mean anybody here is perfect. It just means we're real and we're with each other, okay? I think God is pleased and blessed when his children start dropping their fences and they say, I'm just going to be real and I'm going to trust you. Now, let me, let me confess something. Let me, just, let, me, let me acknowledge something for a minute. Some of you guys have done this before, and, and probably not in this church, but another church, and you got hurt because you did it. And that, that can happen, and I'm sorry that happened, okay? Can I tell you what we're committed to around this church? We're committed to building a church. It's not playing games, not playing politics, not playing power. And that, I, as I said last week, is doing rule number one right, right out of the gate. First, do no harm. We don't want you to ever be hurt. I laid my hands on Alan and Jennifer just a few minutes ago, and I said one of our greatest goals is building healthy, successful families, and we want to do that for your family. We want to do that for your marriage. We want to do that for your children and for your grandchildren. We don't want you to get hurt. And I just want to acknowledge that sometimes that's happened. I haven't heard it happening around here a lot, but I've heard it happening before. But what I want to tell you is, what are we doing in this series? We're saying, God, how do you want me to live? I mean, how do you want me to really love? I think the answer to that question is, first and foremost, God wants you to realize you don't have a fence between him and you. Jesus has torn that down. He wants you to draw near to him and connect with him. But he also wants you to connect with other people. When I was getting ready to preach this message and, and I asked Johnny Dykes, find a fence for me, um, and Johnny came up with a fence for me, I started getting this picture of what it would really look like in God's eyes while you're all sitting here in church. Metaphorically, I should have asked Johnny to bring about 250 fences and leave them all right out there at the door. 
metaphorically, I think that's really what God would want. Sometimes you're going to have fences. You just protect yourself out in this mean, hard, cruel world. But when you're with the body of Christ, you ought to be able to lay down your fences and just be real, be authentic, right? Read that scripture with me uh, from that Hebrews passage, and let's kind of tag in to what Paul is saying there. We're we're trying to talk about dropping our fences with others and connecting with others. Uh, Paul said it this way, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What he's saying is not necessarily, well, don't come. This, this scripture has been preached so many times so wrong. I mean, preachers have stood up and they've said, you know, you've got to come to church because it says right there, don't give up the habit of meeting. And that's kind of right, but that's not really what Paul was saying. He wasn't, they didn't have something like this back then. They were meeting house to house in the temple course. They didn't have buildings like this. So Paul wasn't necessarily saying that. What Paul was saying was, listen, don't, don't forget that you were never meant to run the race alone. So you've got to keep on getting with other other brothers and sisters, you've got to hang out with them. You've got to be around them. You've got to be the community. You've got to connect with them. It, it, okay, while we're playing around with metaphors, it's like all that, the, the fire, the coal, and taking that one coal off that will grow cooler so much quicker. He's saying you've got to stay attached in if you're going to stay warm, if you're going to stay hot, if you're going to stay plugged in. You've got to be connected with the body. That's who you need to be. He's saying be authentic. So just a couple of final thoughts on this second point that I have for you. And by the way, I'm trying to go fast today because I want to get out early and I want, to, I want everybody to hang out for lunch, okay? When I was young, I want to tell you about a moment that I built a fence. Because I think when I grew up in the church, um, there were some moments where I kind of had a fence and there were some moments that I, was, I dropped my fence and the church blessed my life because I was real. And I, and I, and I was, but there was a moment in my life where I wasn't living with a fence in my church. I was really just being me. I loved my church. I loved my church. My church was a source of life to me. My brother was my youth pastor. And many of you have heard this story before. I came, to, I came to faith in Jesus Christ in his ministry. I received a call to ministry in my brother's youth ministry, but he didn't have a college degree. And so through a staffing change, my brother lost his job. And a new guy was brought in that had a college degree, okay? They wanted the youth to see somebody with a college degree, you know, and, and I get it. But can I tell you, I was hurt deeply. I was hurt so deeply. And I put, up a, I, I put up one of those like concrete fences, okay? I put up a big concrete fence. I did it with the adults in my church. I did it with the youth ministry, especially in my church. I just put up a fence because they had hurt me. They hurt my, hurt my brother and they hurt me. The guy they hired on, the new youth pastor, man, talk about a guy that I was not, I, I, would, I was, I was going to keep a wall between me and him because he was the other. He was the bad dude. He was the guy that they brought in, and he was the reason I was hurt so deeply. He tried over and over again to reach over my fence. He tried over and over again to to establish a relationship with me. I basically did one of these. Thanks, but no thanks. Through a series of events that I don't have time to tell you here today, I'll make it small. He had girl problems, and I had girl problems. Okay, and two guys had girl problems at the same time. And I was, remember this is long before I met my, my, my bride. I needed a friend. And he was a friend. And one night, in one moment, I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody else, but one night, in one moment, I let my fence down and two brothers got together, cried together, prayed together, 
And God did a, John, uh, a Jonathan and David thing, like in the Old Testament. He knit our souls together. He knit my soul together with a guy who I was, I was so angry at because he had replaced my brother. And can I just tell you that when I think about the fences today and I think about sometimes how we build barriers and we don't really give ourselves to being the body of Christ together, being brothers, can I tell you, I go back to that moment because this is the guy that every week I talk with five or six times a week with. This is the guy that when my voice is gone in the fall and I'm at the University of Georgia Bulldog Games, he's sitting right beside me. He's, he's one of my best friends on the planet. I did his wedding. He, he, we, we, we have been blood brothers since that moment. And here's what I want to tell you. God blesses. God blesses when you drop your fence. He blesses when you drop your fence and you say, I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to guard myself. I'm not going to hold somebody out. And, and what, what Paul is saying here is, don't give up on the habit of getting together and being with other people. He says, do it even more so because Jesus is coming back. You need, you're going to need more and more Christian brothers and sisters, so do it even more so. Well, Stephen, how do I do that here? Give me a practical way to do that here. There are so many ways that you can it, it connect with other people. We've got serve groups, so maybe, you're, maybe, maybe that would be through a service ministry. Maybe you would love children and you'd want to be plugged in with some other people that way. Or maybe you're a musician and you want to lead music, you know, or maybe you'd love men's ministry or women's ministry. I could go on and on. Or maybe you want to, maybe a starting place is just, just start coming on Wednesday night to a room that's not filled with this many people, but to a room that's filled with only like 40 or 50 people and sitting around little small tables and you have a chance to kind of leave the fence at the door and say, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be me and see if God blesses my life through it. I think God blesses our lives when we drop our fences. Here's the last encouragement I want to give to you. Jesus crashed the fence. God wants us to allow other people into our yard, and he wants us to drop our fences around brothers and sisters. And finally, he wants us to enjoy our family. He wants us to enjoy the family of God. He wants church to not be a place when, when you're around brothers and sisters where you're nervous or scared or anxious or even this. How about this? Apathetic. I'm just kind of going through them. He wants it to be a place where you really enjoy when you're with the family of God. You really enjoy being with brothers and sisters. And when you're not with them, you miss it. Watch this from the scripture. It says this, let us consider, underline that word, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. He's saying when you get with the body, you are an active agent and you are not somebody just to receive. Your job is that you're going to receive from the family and you're going to give to the family. So consider how you can bless the family because you're going to get something back from the family. Now, the reason I ask you to underline that word consider, uh, by definition, that word means think about, ponder, contemplate, consider how you might be able to spur somebody else on towards love and good deeds. Now, here's the metaphor. I'm going to switch metaphors for a minute. One last time, last metaphor for the day, okay? What if you went to a birthday party? What if you went to a party and nobody had made a plan? And you just showed up and it was kind of like boring, you know? Nobody had gone out and bought streamers or balloons. There were no activities. There was no, the food wasn't right. And you're like, they didn't even try, right? 
This past week on Wednesday night, I told you that we were going to do a game night here at the church, and we had a blast. Those of you who came to Wednesday night, not only did you win some fun stuff, but we had a lot of fun together. Now, I took off my pastoral hat, and I put back on my youth pastor hat, and we had some crazy stuff going on, all right? We were having fun. Now, those of you who came to game night, I want you to think about this. What would have happened if you came to game night, and all of a sudden, we all got here together, and I, and I said, hey, it's game night. What y'all want to play? You would say, you mean you don't have a plan? You would say, you mean, it's like you didn't even try. See, here's the deal. Before we got to game night, before you throw a birthday party, you always consider, you think about, you contemplate how you, what you want it to be like when everybody gets together. And then you work towards that goal. What Paul is saying here is consider the family before you even get to the family. And think about how you might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. When you see a need, fill a need. You see somebody needs encouragement, encourage somebody. Consider how you might be able to give back to the family and pour yourself out to the family. By the way, did you realize that's really, it's really hard to give to anybody across the fence? You realize that? So we're talking about knocking the fence down and engaging and receiving and giving. I love my church, Stephen. I love my church. You want a little truth? You want a little truism? You can't love your church, really love your church, if there's not somebody's name attached to it. You got to love somebody. Drew, I love you. We've been in a relationship a really long time. You know what I mean? A really long time. And you can say, you can say oh, I love my church, and think about this kind of big picture, but at the end of the day, that's not what God's about. God is about these one-on-one relationships that connect us together. And that's why we're doing this series, because we want to we remember, what is the church supposed to be? The church is supposed to be a family, right? A family where we don't have fences. We're just brothers and sisters, you know? Brothers and sisters in Christ, loving each other the best we know how, you know? Final thought, three encouragements around this, especially if you're new here to the family, okay? Listen to these real quickly. First of all, have healthy expectations. Have healthy expectations. What do you mean by that, Stephen? Well, I guess what I really mean is uh, some, sometimes um, people think to themselves when they come to church, they're going to end up dropping their fence and they're going to be best friends with everybody. Oh, I'm just going to have great relationships with everybody here. And can I just tell you that's impossible? It's impossible for you to be best friends with everybody in our church, okay? So let, can we just take that expectation like a, you know, a wad of paper? Let's just throw that away, okay? It's impossible to have phenomenally deep and wonderful relationships with everybody in the church. It's, 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 too, it's too broad like that. So a healthy expectation would be, God, help me have some quality relationships, deep relationships, real relationships with a few folks that can be lifelong friends, blood brothers, blood sisters. You know what I mean? I think that's a healthy expectation. And, and so understand this. I want, I, want to, I want to blow that myth up, okay? If you have a myth that everybody in the whole church is going to be your best friend, can you just bankrupt that for a minute? Because that's not going to happen. You're putting an unhealthy expectation not only on yourself but on the church. It can't happen that way, Okay. So just, when we're talking about dropping, we're talking about being real and connecting in with a few people, becoming lifelong friends, family, okay? Here's the next one. 
not only have healthy expectations, but realize that baby steps are okay, okay? So you don't have to, if you're an introvert, and we got a lot of introverts, okay? You don't have to become an extrovert overnight. Oh, I'm going to drop my fence and I'm going to be the life of the party. No, 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 don't, don't, no, 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 no. Baby steps, okay? What does it look like for you to take the next step into a deeper relationship with the family? Maybe for some of you that means, you know what? I wasn't going to stay for that chili cook-off, but I guess I'm going to stay. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a baby step today. And that's okay. Take a baby step. Here's what I believe. I believe God honors baby steps. I believe he does it to husbands and wives who are trying to work on their marriage. They don't have to get it right overnight. They just have to start making good baby steps. I believe it happens for the parent who's trying to be a better parent. All you got to do is realize baby steps are okay. Be a better parent tomorrow. And I believe it happens in the church. It's okay to take baby steps into deeperness into the family. Take a baby step. What is the next baby step for you? to go more real, more deeper into the brotherhood, sisterhood of our family. And final, final thing, I wrote these down there, take ownership. Take ownership. Now, what do you mean by that, Stephen? <laughs> hey, listen, I know what it's like to sit in church and listen to the message and go, hmm, I hope they're all listening because I, really, <laughs> I don't really feel like anybody's going to be my friend. And so maybe today, finally, somebody's going to start talking to me, you know, and I just want to kick you in the tail if that's what you're thinking, okay? I just want to say, no, 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 no. Take ownership of, of you, okay? Take ownership of you. In my notes, I wrote it this way. You really want to have a friend? You want to have a brother or sister? Here's how it starts. You be a friend. You be a brother or a sister. You love on somebody. You drop your fence and you just... Try to embrace somebody else, and you see if it doesn't come back to you. It will boomerang. But you have to take ownership. This message isn't for somebody at your elbow. This message is for you and for me. Now, you see at the very bottom of that outline, I put a little grading scale. You see that? One to ten. Well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to take a little test here, okay? Let's bring it down to some application, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have some chili, okay? Application. One to ten. Here's what I want to ask you. One being the least, ten being the most. I want you, in just a second, don't do it yet, I want you to circle one of those numbers that you think demonstrates the level of effort that you've been giving to really being the family of God in this place, to really connecting with other people. Here's the question. What level of effort have you been giving to connect with other people? You ready? Let's do that. Don't cheat. Don't look at somebody else's answer. Don't, don't peek on them. Just circle it up for yourself. What level have you been giving, what effort have you been giving to connect with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? And now here's the final question, final question. What would it look like for you to take that a step further, a baby step? Or maybe for you, you really, you really have given your all. What would it look like for you to maintain that? Maintain that energy to keep connecting with brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> I was 20 years old. My dad was in a hospital bed. He had cancer and he was losing his life. In a period of just two weeks from the moment I'm telling you about, my dad would pass away. My sister and I, who were seven years apart, 
we were arguing over something. We were just arguing like brothers and sisters do. We were just arguing, you know, probably a little bit loud. And I'll never forget my dad raising up out of his hospital bed, which was almost impossible for him to do, with, with the breath that he had, which was a very raspy voice because of the chemo and, and the radiation he'd been taking, he said, would you stop? He said, would you stop arguing? That was the last time my other two brothers weren't even in the room. That was the last time my three brothers and my sister and I have ever argued. We met together as a family. We said, we will never do this again. We will never argue. Because that was daddy's wish. And on his dying bed, we're sitting there in his hospital room arguing. My dad blessed us that day. He changed our relationship. By a simple request, would you stop arguing? You know, today I believe God's request to us is not about arguing I believe God would just say, hey, you're my children. Drop the fences. Be real. Love one another deeply. Think about it. Contemplate. Consider how you might even spur one another on towards greater deeds of love. This is my family. I'm going to pray for us that we would be even a better church than we already are. And I'm going to pray that God, even around this table today, as we're enjoying chili, as we're enjoying laughter, as we're enjoying each other, that God would be present and that God would smile on his children, enjoying being his children together. Would you pray with me? Father, for that person who hasn't realized that you have broken down the fence between them and you, I pray today they've heard a very simple gospel message about drawing close to you. And if they have never drawn close to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, let them understand today that they need not delay, that they can draw close to you, that you are the high priest, that you're the one who tore the fence down. And Lord, I also pray that you would help us as the, as the brothers and sisters, the children of God, help us to drop our fences, to leave them at the door and to really be the family together. Help us to be Authentic Christ followers. Authentic meaning we are, we are what we are. Good, bad, and ugly, we are, we are Christ followers together. All of us sinners, all of us saved by grace. And Lord, today as we, as we have some good food together, as we laugh and we get to celebrate some great chili and, and see some people win some prizes, as we sit around the table and we make friends and, and we go deep in relationship, would you sit around the table with us? Would you enjoy the company of your children laughing together and loving on one another? And Father, help us more and more and more love your church the way you've called us to love your church. This is our prayer, Lord. Bless this food we are about to receive. Make it strong for our bodies and help our body be strong for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, the food is blessed. The chili's wet.